0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Kurt, welcome to another episode of PBT Extra. How are you doing? Um, A lot has happened. One of the most important things we should note is the, the, the passing of Paul Silas a longtime NBA coach who's inspired so many people and former NBA all-star and NBA champion. Uh, what, what do you think about his legacy into the game and what he left behind?
1: You know, and I know his, his son said this, uh, Stephen, when he spoke to the media um, Tuesday night, but I, I can only hope whenever my time comes that people speak as highly of me or half as highly of me as people have of Paul. That, yeah, everybody speaks – well when someone passes but I mean the genuine affection and appreciation for everybody who knew him as a not just as a player but as a person is was inspiring I didn't I mean outside of meeting him in passing I didn't really have any interaction with him but you could feel his legacy from the people that were are talking to I don't know if you interacted with him much
0: no I didn't have um, the pleasure but you know like you said some, some of these quotes coming out like LeBron James you know he, actually started his career in Cleveland yeah. under Paul Silas and the, the things that he said, saying he, he's one of the best uh, human beings that he's ever been around. Uh, one of the greatest human beings he's ever been around. And uh, you look at some of the other quotes too, from some of the coaching uh, tree that came um, that came out of Paul Silas's coaching tree. And they were saying he, he's like a God to our family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so it's just, it's pretty amazing to see the people who, uh, who are impacted by him so profoundly.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it that isn't that ultimately, I mean, not to get more, but like but the legacy you'd rather leave. It's 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 great to be able to leave family well, maybe you can leave them money or you can leave them some you know, something else, but that's the legacy, that that's the legacy I would want to leave. That that kind of kindness to others.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I found I found the quote, it was um Steve Clifford, um uh, coach of Charlotte. He said, For my family he's a god, he's larger than life. Um, so yeah, just being able to open the door for so many people, including your son. And then this is one thing, by the way, Kurt, and then we don't have to spend too much time on this. Um, but one, one thing that I find very interesting in just black culture generally, and this is something that keeps coming up, is the, there's a, a parent has a dream, and then the, the children get to live that dream right and for it's so interesting you look at his his journey uh Paul Silas how he had that head coaching job then he had to wait i think it was 10 years 15 Yeah. a second ago. coaching opportunity right a very long time and now his son Stephen silas is is a head coach and getting to to wait um, and see his son become head coach and live that journey with him. And Stephen's, uh, Coach Silas' uh, comments to the media, just being able to bounce ideas and ask questions off of his dad and, and engage with him as, you know, two head coaches. Like how special that relationship is, father-son. Uh, it's just a, it's a really cool thing that you see, you know, in black culture kind of pop up over and over again and how the, the generations get to share a dream. And so that, I always thought that was a, a really touching story about the
1: Silases. Yeah, that's that's well phrased. Yeah.
0: So moving on to business, uh, the business of basketball, I I wanted to get your take on Kate Cunningham. Season-ending injury. Um, He's having surgery. He only played in 12 games this season, but he's been very productive. A shade under 20 points per game, six rebounds, six assists. What have you seen from him this season after a very impressive rookie year? Um, Do you think he took a step forward?
1: I think he was starting to, yeah. I mean, there was a lot on his plate with what was a young team, right? I mean, they did get Bogdanovich. They had a couple of veterans, and they they thought they might be able, going into the season, that maybe they could sniff around the play-in like if things went well, but it was going to be about Cade's growth. And to me, he looked like a guy who had taken that step as a leader. I don't know if the, it showed up in, like, counting stats, but in terms of his control of the game, his, his floor generalmanship, and I'm going with that, that's a word. His four generalmanship is um, – I, I thought he was really playing well. I mean, you, you saw him. I mean, what would you think of
0: I thought the Detroit Pistons – and we mentioned this a while back. I can't remember how many weeks ago. We, we got to talk about them briefly. Um, I feel like – I feel like I have a feeling we won't talk about them again for the rest yeah. of the season. But, we talked uh, about
1: the lottery, unfortunately,
0: yeah. Yes, unfortunately. But there was a moment when I saw them play. I think it was the Cavs, really tough. And I thought that was interesting because um, I thought – I could see a spark of the future there. And um, to me this team is long there. They kind of have like this um, this unbridled athleticism, like you know like a, like a, like a group of just these maverick horses, which is very exciting. and I do agree Cade Cunningham he's always been very poised. I mean even in college at Oklahoma State, like super poised, super focused, and they have that maturity on the floor, even going down to the final shot every time, like ice in his veins. That translates very well to franchise player, but it's a different game. The NBA, the leap is so massive, and I was starting to see these flashes—not—not not for you know—not for four quarters, Kurt, but just no. flashes from that Detroit team of okay, with a little bit of discipline, you know, this core there, especially with I, the addition of Jaden Ivey, this could be interesting. Yeah, and and, and now we're gonna have to wait, you know, and it's just we're gonna have to wait to see it all gel. But I thought they were heading in the right direction prior to his injury.
1: I'm with you. They Isaiah Stewart in the middle. Like they had a really talented young group and it was just a matter of watching them develop. And Cade seemed to be I don't want to say his game was maturing the fastest, but his game was always a little bit that way, right? It wasn't it wasn't just I'm Jaden Ivey is just blowing by you with his his athleticism. Cade Cunningham's the hesitation moves and the mm-hmm. and the control of the game and the passing and the seeing things and kind of playing at his own pace, which is kind of rare for rookies and young players to have that that pace where they're not going to be rushed by you and so I I'm glad he's like I don't know did you ever have stress factors we've we've dealt with it in our house with my wife I don't know if I I actually
0: I honestly can't remember my injury history I know I broke something I I, but I I think I broke something in my my hand but yeah nothing like because his is a left shin I I didn't have any deal
1: yeah and and we're running on a hardwood floor that's a you know a big deal but with my wife's a runner. She had a stress fracture in her hip. It's something that they've got, they put in screws. And once it gets reattached and stable, it's strong and you're fine, but you can't mess with it because it could be, you don't want it to become a, a lingering ongoing issue. So I, 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 I'm glad he's getting it taken care of because he's such a special player and such a part of them going forward that, It's, you know, I'm just glad it's getting done because it doesn't mess with their future. I'm, I'll tell you, a lot of people around the league now, Corey, are talking about their present. What what do you do now? Do you, do you become sellers?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. Right now, you know, you know, you have an interesting lottery coming up and you mentioned it at the top of, you know, the beginning of our conversation about Kate Cunningham. You know, I think it's hard to uh, not talk about the Detroit Pistons now without looking at the lottery. So, in my mind, you think, okay, the, what what would the Detroit pisss like who would they sell? You know, I, I think like a lot of those young guys, it's all like for me, it's kind of like um what's that's what's that word um, it's perspective, right? Like yeah. they have young guys that I think are going to be good someday in four or five, six years. but like th- that that perspective jump, is kind of frightening. I think if I'm, cause, cause that's what the problem with the, the draft is right now for so many NBA teams. It's like, you think they're going to be good, but you don't know until six or seven years in until that second contract. And so I, I think right now it's, it's a real big gamble, but I do, so I don't know what they would, I don't know what they, would, who they would sell and if they would get anything of value in return.
1: Yeah. The rumors have been, I mean, they, they're definitely, I, I think New Orleans Noel will probably be on the move. Um, he kind of makes a fair amount, almost ten million, a little, just a little shy. So, but I'll, I'm not sure how that. But he's a guy who could come in if he's healthy and help, uh, you know, give you some front court depth, right? Like New Orleans Noel well is a solid player. Uh, there was speculation about um, Sadiq Bay. I don't know if they'd give up on him or or it kind of I guess would depend on what people ask. The big one though, the question everybody's asking is, will they move? Bojan Bogdanovic, who has been fantastic for them, their leading score. He's a veteran. He's not on their long-term timeline. But if – and and there's been pushback out of reports out of Detroit that they're not going to move him. That, hey, we want to be in the play-in mix next Like, we want to take a step forward next year, whoever we draft, however that works out. We want a solid leading veteran in the locker room like Boyan, who teaches these guys how to be professional and comes to work every night and scores points, and we don't want to give that up. Maybe that's true, and maybe that's posturing. Maybe that's them saying, oh, we'll trade him, but uh, your protected pick isn't good enough, Lakers. We want an unprotected pick. Or, you know, I think there would be a number of teams. So that's going to be the interesting one. I, th- I think that they're comfortable. They, remember, they just extended him at the start of the season. So I think they're comfortable keeping him. And if you're going to trade for him, they're going to want, they're going to want something of quality in return. They're not, they're not taking your, um, your, your bad contracts back. So it'll, it'll be True. interesting to see. I I can tell you this much, Corey Bogdanovich rumors, Bogdanovich rumors until February 9th, man.
0: It's interesting. You bring that up because, you know, I was thinking about the young core, right? Cause I, I was thinking about like that type of, venture prospect like an angel investor almost yeah but the bogdanovich question is an interesting question i I will posit um this one argument that i think is interesting like if you're on a bad team somebody has to score and i think that you can inflate the value of a lot of nba players just purely by virtue of being the leading scorer or a you know a a leading figure on a bad team Uh, because someone has to get those points so i i understand like this is almost a catch-22 Right. Because on one hand, I do agree. I think he does look very good. And I think that the trade value is there. Right. As far as like if you're going to deal anyone, you know, it would make sense to deal him. Once again, I don't necessarily know what you're going to if you give up that. Like you would just get more young players. Right. And you would have a whole sea of young players. Like, I think the problem with Detroit is they don't need more young players. <laughs> so no, I
1: think actually I see I think you're on to something there. And I, I the example might be the the uh, process sixers. I still think you need a veteran in the room that shows the young players, Hey, this is the work just how to be a professional, right? Like I'm yeah. showing up to work every day. I'm working out, you know, before games or after games, I'm getting my treatment. Th- the process of being a professional, Ricky Rubio was doing that in Cleveland with their young guys and they loved him. I think you need that kind of voice, that kind of, I don't know, voice. It doesn't have to be necessarily vocal. It doesn't have to be a, Draymond Green or something but you need you need somebody there to be the example for these young guys of how you hey this is how you take care of your body you've got to start eating right you've got to start working out on off days you've got like all this kind of stuff you've got to work on your sleep and recovery all that kind of stuff that I think I think having somebody doing that by example and playing well really helps.
0: Yeah, especially and, and you have to think in the NBA, I know this is these, these are big numbers, but two years, thirty nine point one million dollars. That's that's the, the extension you mentioned. Yeah. Uh for twenty million dollars a year, I think that's worth it. When you're looking yeah. at guys like Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and Sadiq Bay. You know, if you believe as a franchise, if you believe that you want these guys to be your core in your future, and you do, like like there's how many teams we we can name, you know bunch of teams that have are basically like we talked about before like lord of the flies you know young people leading young people you're for better or for worse and a lot of times it's, it's for worse uh, for 20 million dollars a year that's almost worth having a veteran who like can teach you to be professional i think the heat probably is the great example with keeping Udonis has for you know however many oh, years just to, like and that's worth the paycheck that's worth 20 million dollars a year for detroit i personally think versus like i said like It's an inflated value. Being someone who's the you know who's balling on a bad team, and I think other teams in the league understand that concept that someone has to score. And these numbers aren't real numbers in that sense. I know they're real because they're on the stat sheet, but they're not real. As in Bogdanovich is not going to do that for your team if you're the Boston Celtics or whoever. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not going to translate to a great team um, all the time. And I I I, I I would say actually very rarely does it translate. So. I, I think, in that sense, it's probably in Detroit's best interest to just see it as a twenty million dollar a year player development play.
1: Yeah, I, 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 they very might well might do that, which would be. But you never know. Rumors are rumors. <laughs> and, and, and look, I love Bob Donna. I mean, yeah, it's like they may love him. Everybody has a price. I mean, outside of your Jason Tatum's of the world, like in theory, somebody could step up with a number where you're like, or with a trade where you're like, oh, we've we got to do that. So we'll see. We'll
0: see. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGard Plus, a foxoliner, moxidectin, and pyrantel chewable tablets. NexGard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Uh, So I want want to get your thought process of uh, all these awards, because there have been a lot of renaming of awards. Redesigns? Redesign, yeah, the redesign is pretty cool, huh? Like, I love that. Did you see?
1: Yeah, you, you got to see him, right? Like, the, most of them are a silhouette, basically. I'm trying to think of the right word. Silhouette, sort of, of the player in crystal, uh encased in crystal. So you've got a guy. The olajuwon defensive award is he's def, in a defensive position, and it's hmm. it mimics olajuwon Everyone except Jordan. We did a whole story on this. And, and the designer talked about it, Jordan didn't want the MVP award to look like him because he wanted the player to be able to see themselves in it. Hmm. So it's... It, you need to... You, we wrote the story, and you can find... A, a, I, there was a longer interview, I think, at the uh, Charlotte Observer with the... Um, his name is Mark Smith, the designer. He was one of the Jordan brand designers. Um, really interesting. You would find it interesting, Corey, because it's an interesting... Description of how the artist saw this and how, what he wanted it to represent, and and what Jordan wanted it to represent.
0: Yeah, the the how closely they work together. I think that's I think that is really cool. You know that that yeah. virtue of being able to work with work with Michael Jordan and Jordan Rand, I, I suppose, to to make this make this MVP trophy and like all the symbolism behind. In addition to what you said, but yeah. also I like at the beginning at the bottom the foundation is all rough hewn and then it re- gets refined on the way up and to this right. crystal. The concept of you know, the journey of a player from going into the league as a unrefined product to becoming the a crystal, the best, the best. I, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. There, there are questions though about, you know, the, I don't want to use the word, I guess, justification, but you know, why these names to these yeah. trophies, especially, I understand Michael Jordan is, you know, quite arguably the greatest of all time. And for many people, he is the greatest of all time, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar does have six MVPs and Michael Jordan yeah. does have five. So, you know, wh- where do you stand on these arguments?
1: Yeah. By the way, I I just like that I can now say Kareem has the most Jordans. I'm not even. (laughs) It's kind of a weird. I I don't know. I, I wasn't as I know that they're trying to hearken back to history. I was less. I don't know. I in some ways less excited or moved by that than some. I think some people really got into it, but there were a few that shook my. John Havlicek never won the Sixth Man of the Year. It didn't exist. But he never won Six Man of the Year, and what about Kevin McHale? Like he won a couple well, Frank, I mean, of things. Frank man. Ramsey. Yeah, that, that's
0: where I was thinking because Frank Ramsey, like Red Auerbach, Frank, basically yeah. he was the one who be- created the concept of a Six Man.
1: Yeah, so I, it was. I thought that that one was a little strange. Um, they in, and they created a new award, the Jerry West Clutch Player Award, which. What does that mean? I don't know. And I, 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 like, I have had this, I'm a, I, I have been a voter in the past. Um, I have been the, the past four or five years. I am hopeful that the NBA allows me the responsibility and, and, and honor and privilege uh, of doing that again. And this lack of sleep and stress it causes me every year. <laughs> I, I, I take it far too seriously and spend way too much time on those, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I was talking with somebody about that. Like, I'm not quite sure. Like, how are you defining clutch? I, and I, the coaches are going to pick a pool of players. I don't, I don't, I don't know how big that pool is. And then the, the a media panel. And I don't know if it's a separate media panel or the media panel that votes on MVP and Rookie of the Year and everything. Um, I don't know what. I guess my question is: just, I've got to think about it. Like. Is that just? It's not just making game-winning shots. It, what Damian Lillard does, what Luka Doncic does in the clutches, create those shots for themselves and others. Like, and how do you factor that in? And and is it fair to a guy on a really good team who's you know I'm not in that many clutch games because we keep blowing people out. Like I'm thinking, I'm not sure. What does it mean to you? Like what I'm not I'm I'm still I'm gonna have to spend some time thinking about this.
0: Yeah, you know I think the the. I guess in traditional sense of what the word clutch mean, it's like, okay, well, we have a last second shot. Who do we want to take that shot? You know, I feel like that is pretty universal across all basketball. You know, it's well in middle school, yeah. who's taking a shot, college, high school, you know, pros, Olympics, you know, who where the ball is going. And even though, you know, Michael Jordan's going to take that shot, you know, to win the finals, you can't stop him. Like yeah. that's the definite. Like you know, Larry Bird. Like he's gonna, he's gonna tell you, I'm actually gonna catch it here. I'm gonna do two dribbles and shoot it off the elbow for this game winner. You know, and yeah. like try to stop me if you can. Like to me, those guys are perfect examples of clutch. Obviously, Jerry West, like the only guy um, to ever win Finals MVP and lose, which yeah. is a dubious distinction. Yeah, but you understand. Like I think that Finals is mean. It's crazy. He was averaging like 40 points a game. <laughs> like it was unbelievable. But anyways, my my point is that. um Like with clutch, I think it comes down to, you know, I'm getting the ball. Can you stop me? Good luck. You know, Uh, but I think there's actually a a stat, like if you go to nba.com, you can look at all the stats and I love it. Yeah. And they actually have one called clutch and like clutch stats. Clutch stats
1: for teams and clutch stats for players. Their, Their standard breakdown is a game within five points in the last five minutes, but you can lower those numbers. You can make it last three in the last three minutes Last minute of play and within three points or one point, like you can kind of play around with that, um, and I think that 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 helps, I think, define it too a little bit. But I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. For me, it's even the teams that run the Utah Jazz, and I think they this was part of their playoff issues. Like under the previous, you know, uh, I don't want to say yeah. regime, but like the way that the, the Gobert Mitchell era was, they had a great system. They ran this system that system in in the, in the final two minutes of a tight game is Donovan Mitchell. It is right. Like, and is he good? And Donovan has proven in so far in Cleveland to kind of be up to that, but like that's becomes who it is. It's like, I can start to take away when I really defend, I can block some of this stuff off. So how are you still getting a bucket? And Mm -hmm. if I get the ball to Kevin Durant against the nets late in the game, how are you going to stop Kevin Durant from getting that bucket?
0: The answer is you're not. You know, like, same, same, way, like, I was watching all the Spurs, you know, huge Spurs and go Spurs go. By the way, some big wins from the
1: Spurs. Just good, one out there, quality wins. Some good wins, last second wins against some good. I mean, you know, Vassal. I'm telling you, I like Vassal. I like
0: Vassal. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to, you know, every once in a while he's got to throw in the San Antonio connection while we, you know, while we have it. So, good, go Spurs. But I will say, I was watching, they're doing a really interesting thing. It's the 50th anniversary. Yeah. And they're doing this like there's this huge like mini series and it's all about Spurs history, which is great for me because I watch it and call my dad. <laughs> so so it's like imagine like watching a 30 for 30 like every week and then calling your dad and then like finding out it. like all the other stuff too, which is really cool. So I uh but one of them was about Captain Lee. And that was James Silas. And talk about, like, clutch, you know, because I, I didn't get to really watch him play. Yeah. This was, you know, like, Dallas Chaparral's, like, ABA NBA merger, yeah. and he was injured in the NBA. So, like, he, he didn't really get to showcase, you know, like, the kind of player he was. But they called him Captain Late because he took over games late. You know, like, this was, I think John Moran is a perfect example of that is a young player in the NBA right now where, you know, fourth quarter, overtime. Yeah. Like Jaws taking every shot, he's gonna score 12 straight points and he's gonna win. You know, like he's gonna win the game for you. Like that's that was James Silas back in back in the day. So like those kind of players for me like embody what clutch is. Of course, yeah. Larry Bird is on that list, and Michael Jordan,
1: of course, yeah. like has to be like number one, but Kobe, you, you yeah. always think about like clutch is that. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. And by the way, not every team does it, not every player does that. You get the bucks in the clutch. Giannis is setting picks for Chris Middleton. Middleton is the guy with the ball in his hands, not always shooting it, but he's the playmaker for them in the clutch. It's not Giannis anymore.
0: And and that's a really interesting point, too, going to the most clutch player, because it doesn't always have to be the franchise player. Like, in that scenario, you're right. Chris Middleton has the ice in the veins. He's taking the last shot. Um, Remember that uh, Cleveland team that won the championship? Kyrie took the last shot. You know, like, so Kyrie was that clutch player for them. So, yeah, I, I do think that's a really interesting way to think about, like, the award. It kind of opens up. Do you think it opens up to the defensive realm as well? Remember when Bam Adebayo had that incredible block oh, yeah. in the playoffs?
1: I, I think it'd be hard to win that way. Like, it's, you can get great highlights, and I think I'm going to go blank. There was one this week where somebody won with a block at the rim. Those are great, but I don't know that you could – I don't know that that opportunity would come up often enough where you yeah. would be able to say – you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Clutch. I'm the Clutch winner because every time we were in a Clutch situation, I locked down the opposing team's best. There's great plays like that, and it, it would matter. And by the way, it would really add to your case, by the way, wouldn't it, though? If you had one of those blocks or some of those plays, and by the way – I've also hit a bunch, like it yeah. would add to your case.
0: That would be like the LeBron James argument. Like how many yeah. times have you seen him fly out of nowhere, pin something against the ball, and then also have 30-something points and all the winning shot, you know? So I think in that sense, it does – there's a lot of elements to this clutch award, which I think is probably the most interesting. Like the, the biggest variance, I believe, is like what you're saying. One, how do you define clutch? And then two, I think once you figure it out, there are so many aspects to that award that it could go to, I think, a lot. The pool is like, you know, I know the coaches are selecting it, but it could be a very interesting group of players, from yeah. like franchise players to maybe six men type of players to like, you know, the the um, 1A players. Or So it's going to be a really interesting group yeah. of people. And, More and they've got to get
1: those – those guys need help. By the way, like I don't – I've been watching the Mavericks lately. It gets late in the game. People are throwing double and triple teams at Luca, and he is making the right basketball play and passing out of it to – Guys who not finishing, like, didn't feel bad for him, but he's, like, you're going to have to have, if I'm going to load up on LeBron James at the end of the finals game, and it leaves Kyrie open, Kyrie's still got to hit the shot,
0: man. He's still got to hit the shot. Yeah. I also want to mention just a couple more of these, because, like, the whole concept of these awards, you know, I'm not a big award guy. Personally, yeah. I don't really understand, like, ceremony or the awards. You, you That's just kind of, that's just me. But I, for I do think, these
1: baby. I'm just going to be texting you like, hey, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like win the championship, I guess. I'm a very simple dude. You know, it's like, what's the most important thing? The team success. But the individual awards are cool because like, I think one thing that the NBA is doing a really good job of is reintroducing history. Because I think the yeah. important thing about this time is, and, and like I said, I'm doing this because of the Spurs as well, as I, as I learn about Spurs history in greater detail and greater depth. We're, we're talking about the internationalization of the game. Most of the, the best players in the NBA now are becoming more and more international, if not, you know, like the top three or four, probably all international. So because of this, like you end up having, I think to re-educate, not just, of course, domestic fans who are like under the age of 18, like who is Larry Bird, you know, like, but for, you know, a kid growing up, in Argentina, watching Monte Ginobili's Hall of Fame speech, you know, like now you have a, a global fan base that you need to reintroduce. Who was Bill Chamberlain? Did you know that he won the MVP the same year he won Rookie of the Year? Like yeah. crazy, you know, like, yeah. like who, who is George Mikan? Like the first superstar, like George Mikan, like was the first guy to inspire like Bill Russell. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like these stories of history in the game, like Hakeem Olajuwon, the his nickname was the Dream. You know, but he's one of the most like low key superstars. You know, so like, w- will this next generation of global fans know who these people are? I think that's why this award timing is so interesting for me. Unless about I, like you I, know, like the direct, you know, the, the direct correlation. Like Jerry West is the logo; he needs to be, he needs to have an award named after him.
1: I, by the way, I I'm, I'm with you on that. I think the league is starting to understand it needs to embrace its history in a way I'm not sure it always has in the past, and I'm not sure. Like, baseball's always done a good job of it. I'm not sure if the NFL and every other and other sports have done as well with it.
0: Yeah, because I think domestically, I think the NBA does a very good job, especially with, like, the NBA legends, of keeping the former players involved and engaged at a high level. But I, I do think the international question, because it's not like the All-Star game isn't happening in Mexico City and in Dubai and in Shanghai. You know what I'm saying? The All-Star game's happening in Salt Lake City or in Cleveland, you know, or in L.A. or New Orleans. So I think that the, the NBA Awards, um, doing it now and doing it in such a big way, in such a public way, is a great way to engage the global audience and play, fan base in a way that reintroduces the history to them.
1: Speaking of awards, I think it's time for Corey's Jukebox, like, like my favorite part of the week, where you you match a song to, uh, by the way, this week, your player and your, uh, your team at, out on the West Coast, the left coast, the best coast, baby. You're out here on this week. So who's up on Corey's? course?
0: It's so hard to follow that, Kurt. Maybe I, should just, <laughs> maybe I should just throw it to you so you can do it. Yeah, but we're going West Coast, correct. So uh, uh, do I have permission to be completely frank? Yes, um, of course. I just really wanted to get Astro Piazzolla in the pod, you know? <laughs> I, I So I, <laughs> I really like Nuevo Tango. <laughs> And I just needed, we just needed Piazzolla in the pod. So I kind of was like, okay, we have, the song isn't necessarily, because it's Adios Nonino. It's not it's not a direct comp. It's more about the vibe of Nuevo Tango. And, and the reason I chose this one song for the Portland Trailblazers is, is because Adios Nonino, Astro Piazzolla, who, by the way, like I said, he's like the architect of Nuevo Tango, Argentinian music, and he's a master. Um, he he himself said that Adios, Donino was probably the finest tune he's ever written that there were like angels while he was like you know shepherding him while he was writing this tune. So it was just more like this is you know characteristic of a masterpiece in the, in a master's mind. So that's why I chose that one song, but it's more about the vibe. And if you've ever have you ever listened to tango
1: music? A little, but not 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 as much as you now, see, this is another one where you got to just text me the link like you did last week. In <laughs> yeah. <interview. laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, like, you know, Carmen, that one opera, like, everyone kind of, like, understands, like, some of, like, the the like yeah. Spanish music or, like, flamenco because, like, these one things. Well, like, Astro Piazzolla introduced, I think, you know, tango, at least to me. Um, and Nuevo Tango, there are sounds that just don't make sense. Like, I, I, if you listen to music, that some music is so jarring, I would say... Like, the Indonesian Java court music is pretty jarring. Like, Imperial Japan music, like, if you listen to, like, old school Imperial Japan Japanese music, like, that is pretty jarring. There are sounds that you just don't normally hear. Scales, like, I would say classical Indian music, too, is very, like... I've
1: heard that, yeah, I've felt yeah, there that. there are sounds Indian, that just yeah.
0: don't, like, they don't, like, exist. It's in, like, in our kind of Western, like, more, like, American type of uh, musical vocabulary. So, like, it's very jarring to hear these sounds. And that's what, when I first heard, like, Piazola's music, I was so shook, Kurt. And I think that's kind of, when I watched Portland, there are, it's almost, like, not unrecognizable, but it's so foreign and distinct to me at times where it's so, it's beautiful, but it's also, like, self-destructive and kind of, like, jarring. And, and And I think that mixture to me is both intriguing and dismaying. So when I see, like, Damian Lillard doing what Damian, you know, hitting 11 threes, I'm like, whoa, 38 points! <laughs> what a <laughs> performance by him, right? And then you see Anthony Simons like growing. I think he's one of the most, I guess, underrated guys in the league as far as development year over year. I think he's done a very good job developing into a good yes. young player, yes. kind of like Tyrese Maxey or what we thought Terrence Mann was doing in, in L.A. Like, you know, I think I would thought he's probably one of the best young players developing right now. Jokic is confusing to me, but like that team generally, I'm like, there are moments where I'm like they look beautiful, and there are moments when the train kind of like collapses. So that's why I chose Piazzolla's Nuevo Tango to describe them.
1: Interesting, interesting choice. And That's uh, they, they can be. I, I like the analogy because I think we're so used to a certain style with the Blazers and a certain team, and they're they're different this year. They're yeah. longer, they're more athletic, they're almost more Toronto-like in the way they play. It's, it's interesting.
0: That's exactly where my mind went. They're very Raptors. It's very, it's a, but it's a, it's a strange moment. I can't recognize it. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that's that's the that's the team. And then for the player, we just have to continue, you know, really applauding Anthony Davis and his play. I think. So we just went. I just went straight for purple and gold. I went Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. I just I, <laughs> like this is just psychedelic music. This is just rock and roll at its finest. Like I just don't understand. We're watching like this transcendent. Like psychedelic, per, like performance night after night by Anthony Davis, um, and it was a nice little ode to the purple.
1: Yeah, I like that. I, I the connection there. And, and by the way, he's we talked about this last week, or week. He bought into playing the five. He's he's having an certainly all NBA. Maybe you know, maybe MVP. We'll see where things land. Kind of conversation, but this is the best he's played since new Orleans easily. This, doesn't this feel closer to what everybody hoped for him.
0: Yeah. I and mean, because you look at his skill set, I remember watching him in college and I mean, I, I, it was just, yeah. I mean, it was, it was shocking. And I feel like there are only a few players I'm trying to think in recent memory, I'm cycling through my mind, you know, Zion was shocking when I first saw yeah. him in person. I just could not, I could not believe it. And I, I still can't believe it. Um, I would say Oscar Sheavey right now, the current college player, where I'm just like shocked. Like he reminds me, like the way that he plays reminds me of like like a Patrick Ewing type of like. You know, it's like a yeah. very interesting game that is like powerful and graceful and beautiful. But like Anthony Davis was just all around, yeah, uber talented. So to see him, like I said, hit this like psychedelic stage right now, where it's almost like. Wow, like I've seen you play in the finals. I thought he could have been finals MVP when the Lakers won. We talked about yeah. this. I thought he, I mean, I thought it was a toss up between LeBron and him. And now he's playing at a level that's above that. It is, I mean, it's psychedelic.
1: Hey, credit to Darvin Ham, too, for hey, we're going to run everything through Anthony Davis. This is going to work. And it has for them and for him. I mean, at least lately they've been better. And, uh, and he's putting up, you know, with 37 points in the loss to the, overtime loss to the celtics but i mean played played brilliantly and it, that loss wasn't on him well he we missed some free throws well, in the industry. free throw of
0: the past two the two losses recently but, yeah, but once again there. like i think this is kind of i don't know if you're i know you're following the world cup because i know you love soccer yeah but like you know how argentina lost that first round the first match and yeah. then they went down there in the final. yeah i feel like that's kind of like the same type of thing for anthony davis like you know you hear about that in you know, a where you might have like some close losses or whatever and but it, if it happens early, you know, then it, it gives you that strength later on to hit those. I mean, he was 11 for 13 from the free throw line, right? So, like, you, you yeah. make those two, you would have been perfect with the free throw line. It was just the two that ended up deciding the game at yeah. that moment. Yeah. So, you look at maybe in two, three months, it, you know, see if you look back at this little stretch and see how it, uh, you know, helped him get through it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's – it, he has been – it's been one of the bright spots of the season. He's been truly special.
0: I think the last piece before we, before we leave this is I think that because Anthony Davis has hit this psychedelic stage, I think that, I think no one really has benefited more than Russell Westbrook, you know, because I think Russell now, like there's absolutely, I haven't heard anything about Russell Westbrook for a very long time, which I think is actually a pretty good thing, you know, in in LA terms. So I feel like, and you're seeing the numbers reflect that. I feel like he's actually starting, we talked about James Brown and the payback. I think he's like accepting that role when he finally doesn't have media scrutiny on his every single move, as if he was the, the, the thing that made the Lakers go. It's Anthony Davis. And I think Anthony Davis is proving that. And I think that is giving Russell Westbrook room to, to be effective. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This, this wasn't the Russell Westbrook corner, but yes, not only that, I mean, it helps because they couldn't, the $47 million contract, they, they, they're still talking to him, but they can't trade him really. Right. Like that's just too much. But remember, he's a free agent after this year. And I don't know what the market was for him. It wasn't very good. You know, he couldn't get traded this summer. I don't know what the market would have been for him before. But now, if you genuinely believe he'll come in and be your sixth man and accept that role, um, there's going to be a lot more teams interested. I mean, there's, if he's willing to do that and, and is serious, I mean, whether the Lakers re-sign him or he goes somewhere else, Um, that opens up a lot more possibilities and just more years. He's just, he's not at a place in his career where he can be the number one alpha on a team. That's going to do much, but as a sixth man could be different.
0: Short list. I would take him. (laughs) So I want to hear your, I want to hear your thoughts though, Kurt, because we're moving to Kurt's corner and I know we weren't supposed to talk about Russell Westbrook. It's an interesting conversation. I want to talk about Kyle Kuzma. Who you know once again another young player that I've been very impressed by his development. You hit it a couple of weeks ago. You you called it. You said okay, what's the trade value? Now you know there has been some more movement on that front. Kurt, is that do I understand that? Carl? Yeah,
1: I, it's really built up. I, I I think last week we talked a lot about hey, do you resign him? If you're the Wizards, what do you want to do? And I think we didn't touch on this aspect. He's got a 13 million dollar player option next year that he will opt out of because he's going to make. North of 20, he'll make a Jalen Brunson, um, I don't know, Tyler Hero kind of contract, right? Um, What we didn't touch on was this. Does he want to be there? Because there's now a sense from other teams Mm -hmm. that there's a, let's just say there's been a lot of buzz and other people have reported this. But if you're the Wizards, you've got to get that feel right now. Because if you don't think you can resign him, your hand's forced, Corey. Yeah,
0: no, that's such a great point. Do you think
1: he wants to be there? I've heard buzz that he wants a contender or brighter spotlight than he's getting in the nation's capital, but which is interesting, by the way. Every every agent says that about their player, so you know, like I don't know if he wants to be here, and you know, I don't know if he wants to be here, Corey. I don't
0: know, so all the (laughs) posturing.
1: So we'll see where that lands. But um, let's just say there's been a lot more Kyle Kuzma buzz. And by the way, if he's genuinely available, if. Talk about a player who could help a whole lot of teams, guy. Yeah. And then
0: I, I agree. I think it's an immediate plus. I mean, because remember, with a lot of these young guys, it's, you know, it's about, I personally believe uh, managing ego. To you know, and expectations, and I think that the time I don't want to say you know it's not castaway. We're talking about Washington D.C., but like as far as the standings are concerned, it's basically castaway. He was basically on a deserted island, you know, in one of the oh, biggest markets in the country, <laughs> crying out, you know, Wilson or whoever his name oh was, my like, God, basketball yes. play, you know. So you know, so it is it is interesting, like you know, career-wise, um, yes. The spotlight is definitely not in washington however you think about you know branding opportunities or whatever i mean washington is, dc is a huge market right so so it is kind of like counterintuitive there um but i think that this banishment to the to the desert island of washington dc has been a good thing for kyle kuzma i think evidently yeah. in both his play and in this ability to kind of uh i personally think kind of not just revitalize his market but like, put him in a position to like immediately impact a contender, immediately recharge a younger team, like get a bigger role. I think he's in a position where he could go a lot of different ways. Russell, like we talk about Russell Westbrook, to unlock the years left on it, like in his career, he's gonna have to accept a diminished role. I think Kyle Kuzma could go horizontal, or he can go up, and and that's an exciting place to be if you're his agent.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or him. Yeah, he's 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 gonna have options, and and we all, man especially with professional athletes, having options is everything.
0: Yeah, but I am curious, though. Let's say he does love D.C. Yeah. Let's say, you know, that is a place he wants to, to kind of build, you know, something there. Do you think that there's any hope for them with this roster as it is currently constructed, built around Bradley Beal, Chris Epps, Porzingis, and him, Kyle Kuzma? Do you think, one, is there a room for him to accept a bigger role on that team? And then, two, how good do you think this team could be?
1: Uh, maybe, yeah, no, maybe he loves living in Adams Morgan and just wants to be there and he's he's all good, man. Um, I The thing is, in the East, like, even if I, I just, even if you built a better group of role players around them, that's not a team that's going to spend into the tax necessarily. Um, I think it would, I don't think it's on Kuzma. I mean, I think the limits are on, I don't know what, how good is Bradley Beal? Where does he want to, you know, what is... They've signed him. I mean, he's making his max. He's, he's gotten paid. But where is he on the how far can you take a team thing? And, and you know, is Porzingis going to stay healthy? I, I'm i just not sold that that team's if, – if, if making deep playoff runs and chasing another ring because uh, he's got the one with the Lakers, if that's what Kuzma's prioritizing, I'm not sure that's Washington. But that's not necessarily always I – mean, It's still business, man. It's still about money and it's still about where you want to live. So, you know, he said he'll have options, but um, I don't know that this Wizards team is, I think they can be better than the kind of crumbling recently current version, but I don't know whether they lost seven in a row or something recently, but um, I don't think they're, I don't think they're threatening Boston and Milwaukee either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Last 10, they're one and nine currently lost seven in a row, sitting in the 12th spot in the Eastern conference. Yes. I agree with you. Um, their peers are the Orlando Magic, the Charlotte Hornets, the Detroit Pistons, and the Chicago Bulls. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree with you. Uh, I am curious though. I am curious to see exactly how this is going to settle. Do you think when do you think it would be resolved? If are we talking you know
1: February? February 9th is the trade deadline. That's if he's not moved by then, the Wizards I have clearly made a bet they can re-sign him. Hmm. Um, this summer because if they, if they don't look, that's the bet. If, if you haven't moved him by the February 9th trade deadline, then you have got to spend the money to send him. Otherwise you let him walk for nothing. And that's, that would, that's, that's just, they're better management than that. Like if, if they don't think they're bringing him back, they, they, even if they're not going to get what all everything they'd hoped for, you, you've got to bring back something.
0: Yeah. Next up, um, let's talk about the, the Golden State Warriors. 2-12 and 12 on the road. Very interesting year for the defending champs, Kurt. It's, it's very confusing, you know, watching this team at the current moment. Why are they struggling?
1: That's, it's such a weird thing, isn't it? Because, like, Saturday night, big ABC national game, finals rematch, and you watch them beat the Celtics. I mean, shorthanded Celtics, but Celtics, and you're like, that's the team, right? Like, Look at them. They can flip the switch. They can be back to being contenders. And then Tuesday night, they just get their doors blown off in Milwaukee. Just mm-hmm. didn't compete in the second half, really. I mean, it wasn't it was a 20-point game. It was, you know, we're going to talk about Charles Barkley getting a tattoo because, like, the game's not interesting anymore. Like, it's it's an issue. And I, there's two things that seem to be, when I looked at it, that really break it down. A, mostly – their defense on the road is just noticeably worse. They're 29th in defensive rating on the road. They're giving up like 13 more points a game. They're not getting stops for whatever reason on the road, um, the way they are at home. And I don't, I guess the question is really, is that just a focus thing? Is that Mm -hmm. just championship whatever about it? Or is there something more there? The other thing that, and I think this is also along those same lines, and I think it's it could be championship angle. They've had some, we were talking about the clutch. They've had some bad clutch losses. They had a four point lead with 10 seconds left and lost to Utah. Uh, Blew a four point lead in the last minute to a Charlotte team that did not have Lonzo ball. I mean, uh, well, not Lonzo either, but didn't have LaMelo ball. Sorry. Um, They scored two points in the final five minutes against the heat and lost like, they're losing games in ways they shouldn't. And it's like that combination of not playing defense and not coming through in the clutch. Maybe it's just mental, but it's kind of, kind of, I just, it's, it's, I suppose, it's at least raising eyebrows. Like, well, what's really going on there? Why, why aren't they focused on it?
0: Yeah. And, and to think you would never really, I don't think, in the same sentence, you know, defending champs, dynasty, and lack of mental focus. Yeah. Those don't go together. So it is is interesting the way that they started the season also with the drama around Draymond Green, George. Poole. Yeah, I
1: wonder if that plays in, right?
0: Another interesting – Is there a hangover
1: from that?
0: Yeah, and then also I think with Andrew Wiggins, you know, someone who has quickly become pivotal to this team. You know, I mean, I I think we kind of – I don't want to say underestimated because, I mean, clearly last year in the run, Andrew Wiggins was like one of the most important players, both defensively because he was – one of the best defenders not on been their, that
1: team. Not been their second best player in the finals. That's what I'm
0: saying. Right. So, I mean, so all in all, like you understand how Andrew Wiggins not just accepted a role, but has quickly become part of the glue of the, of the, of the Warriors. He's missed a few straight games now yeah, and they're about to embark on another long road trip
1: through the East. And
0: so, oh, yeah. It, I mean, so it is, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I think there are a lot of different things, but Kurt, I, I mean, I just keep going back to the past couple of years where I remember when Steph was injured and we thought, wow, this team is terrible. Remember, and then last year, too, pre-Clay, the Warriors did not look good. Remember? Remember that before Clay started coming back in, in Janu- January or halfway through the season? Yeah. I mean, so like they,
1: the all-star break, whatever it was, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like they were the best team in the Western Conference. I remember there was a moment where I'm like, okay, what are they going to figure it out? Like, yes, they have flashes. You know, and then they ended up clearly going on a tear there. Um, and we always did question, well, Would Clay, Draymond, and Steph be able to just seamlessly pick it back up halfway through the season again, like old times they were able to? So I feel like the Warriors are kind of like right now, I don't know if this is a dying, you know, like this is like how franchises die or dynasties die, you know, where like there's like these wide kind of just like pendulum swings of like excellent championship level play to just dismal performances. I don't know if this is what it looks like. Uh, but it is concerning.
1: It is. I still think, like we talked about this, I think last week or two weeks ago, where you just, I'm not writing them off. Like they're still, yeah, yeah, totally they're in, 500. Fact, in fact, I wrote when I was writing about the Pelicans this week and I'm like, if you forced me to choose who's going to come out of the West right now. I'd still pick Golden State. Nobody, Phoenix hasn't run away with it. I don't, as much as I want it to be new Orleans on some level, cause they're so much fun. You know, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say they're there yet. And, on and on down the line. But you gotta put yourself in a position so your playoff trek isn't brutal, right? And right now, 14 and 14, they've got they've they just need to string together some wins and get themselves in a better position in the West. They don't have to get the one seed, but you don't want to be on the road for three rounds.
0: Yeah, I mean they're sitting right now at 10th, but you have to imagine that the Kings at seven at 14, 14 and 12, they're going to drop out, you know, like you, you have to look at some of these people above them and think, okay, well there's probably going to be some shifting pretty soon rather than later. But I, I am curious though, because we understand that, you know, like Steve Kerr, you know, I, I think the way he runs his team it, it at least is kind of reminiscent of like coach pop, right. Of like Spurs oh, yeah. kind of like era dynasty type of, you know, there was that mo- moment where Kawhi Leonard, became you know the one of the best players on the spurs right and and the shifting of that dynasty and i wonder if we're watching something similar to golden uh, golden state right now where you know as steph curry gets older and like we don't know if draymond's returning that's that's a huge question mark you know that that big three andrew wiggins has kind of like become like their kawhi leonard in a weird way because i thought it was going to be james wiseman and it hasn't been James Wiseman, right? So it, so I thought you could argue, oh, is it going to be George Poole? He's taking steps forward, but he's not like franchise player, you know? And, and I think I think Wiggins is like, he was a franchise player. And then now I think he's becoming a bona fide franchise player in the few years if he continues to progress at the rate he's progressing. And like, so I think it's an interesting question of like, well, you know, the Spurs post Kawhi fell apart. And after Tim Duncan's retirement. And I wonder if like we're, we're witnessing a very pivotal moment in the dynasty, the health of the golden state dynasty.
1: Yeah. I, I think we are. I, I think that they realize that this dynasty as constructed is, has crested the hill. And I don't sure how far or fast I do mean, I don't know what that downslope looks like, but their best days may be behind them. Oh, by the way, I thought it would be Kaminga. Yeah. I thought yeah. the guy with the crazy athleticism who was Kawhi like, and he's, developed into a solid rotation player for them, and and, and certainly the potential is there for more, but he hasn't looked, looked Kawhi-like,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, no, no, very few people look Kawhi-like.
1: <laughs> well, let's make that very <laughs> clear. Very Kawhi, few Kawhi, like. Kawhi, I watched, I was at the Lakers, uh, I'm sorry, Clippers um, Celtics this week, and he had one play where you forget how big his hands are, and the rebound comes into a crowd, and he just goes up and claws the thing, pulls it out and then leads the break and ends up finishing with a dunk. But his ability to just one hand a rebound that everybody else is doing this for changes the dynamic. Like it's just a subtle thing that he can do that nobody else can really do in the league. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now uh, it's time for the fun segment, Kurt. Um, Holiday season is here. You know, the 30 rock I went the other day, the tree looks gorgeous. How does it look? I mean, it looks very gorgeous. It's, it's, um, and then right across the street is that Saks Fifth Avenue, right? With the, all like the, the lights and the show. You know, it, it's New York is full on Christmas Hallmark movie. That's what it looks like. Um, I'm curious because there are so many people traveling for the holidays. I don't know if you're traveling for the holidays, but if, if, if I were to visit you in California Ooh. for a West Coast Christmas, you know, where where would you take me? What would be Ooh. the, the must sees for the, the holiday season?
1: That's a really good question. I mean, outside of um, like I, there'd be two parts to that I think that, a you know, you and I would go up to the Broad, check oh, out. Yeah. The, I don't well, know if you've been to the Broad yet yes. in L.A. And, yeah, uh, there's great restaurants right around there. But I, it's funny when people come out here from other places and I'm, you're a little different because I'd, I'd have to give you the choice. I, I Most of the time I was like, let's go get really good, authentic Mexican food because that you can't get that in other parts of the country. You grew up in San Antonio, which is a little more Tex-Mex. <laughs>
0: yeah, more tex
1: But certainly grows up around it. And um, But there's a place in Long Beach here called Lola's that is phenomenal Mexican food. Um, you know, grandmother's recipes and stuff um, that is just a favorite of mine. We could have some margaritas and hang out. Or do you... My neighbor, our, we'll call it the neighborhood joint. We moved, so it's no longer literally around the corner. But we still go back there for the f- birthdays and celebrations. It's still the family spot. It is a, it's a place called La Perlocia, which is a Italian, um, yeah. um, almost Roman style food. Really incredible cacio di pepe and, and more traditional Roman stuff. But they also do some Napoli pizzas, it's like real home style italian food neighborhood joint um there's it's it's a truly a neighborhood joint because the parking sucks so like <laughs> most of the people have to walk have, there know. It's, it's almost new york like where it's like well, you can't park so um yeah it would be one of those two i'd have to i don't know it depends if you're in an italian or mexican mood when you're out here and we'll figure it out
0: I mean, you know I, I feel like we go one one day and the other one the next
1: day yeah maybe mm-hmm. maybe we'd have to do both if, all right, I'm coming to New, I'm, I'm coming to New York. I'm, are you going home for the holidays? Or are you going to be in New York? No, I'll
0: be I'll be here in the city. So if, if you, are right coming, coming
1: out to the city, which, yeah, I,
0: I have I, been
1: I, out. I, we were just talking about trying to do this maybe that's this summer or something because we miss oh, being cool. out in the city. Um, like if I'm coming out, what are we doing?
0: Yeah, I, so I, I feel like first and foremost, you know, first of all, food wise, I I'm not like a huge restaurant guy in the sense of like, I'm not going to go, you know, go to, I don't know, some trendy website and find out all like the hottest restaurants yeah. in New York city and then wait in the line and go there and, you know, yeah. put a preservation two months in advance. That's not that high role. So I would have to take you to all my um, hole in the wall spots and all the different yeah. boroughs We we just pick one. So like, there's this place yeah. in Staten Island and this is interesting because the ferry, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but in New York, in Battery Park, there's this ferry that is like free. So, yeah. and you go right next to the Statue of Liberty, you get like the best view. So, um, it's the easiest and best way to look at the Statue of Liberty. So, we would probably start there maybe and, and go take the Statue of Liberty, you know, take the ferry over to Staten Island, see the Statue of Liberty. Um, and then there's this grandma restaurant, and I kid you not, it's actually like a grandma restaurant in Staten Island, where like there's a neighborhood grandma who runs it, I guess, and it's like she's from Italy, so it's all per recipes. It's like the tiniest restaurant. There's like six tables, oh, and and, and, right. and it's like like a random like hole-in-the-wall spot next to the ferry terminal in Staten Island. And then there's like every week there's a guest grandma. I can't make this up. There's a guest, there's a guest grandma who comes in and cooks her, like, local cuisine from, like, Morocco or Greece yeah, or, like, wherever ones. she's from. Those
1: those kind of spots are my favorite. Those kind of oh, – there was a Irish pub that was near me um, for years. Um, and the wife of the owner was Sri Lankan. And once a year, when the mom would come out to visit the daughter and the grandkids and whatever – She'd come in the kitchen for a week and make like Sri Lankan curries and all this Sri Lankan mm-hmm. food. It was so good, it was like <laughs> for a week. I'm like, I'm gonna be here eating dinner every night. Every night,
0: yes, yes. I, I don't know what it is, Kurt, but grandma food just tastes better. It and does. It, it's I just. Mean, does. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's. I I know it's that love is the secret ingredient. Ingredient, but I really do. I don't know what it is. But you know, if you like Sri Lankan food, uh, there's a two, two more places I probably would take you. One, I mean. One, there's this place I just went to recently, and it is, like, it's probably the, the best meal I've had in months. It was up in the Bronx in Castle Hills. And uh, same thing. It's a hole-in-wall, maybe seven tables. And um, it's all Bangladeshi food.
1: Ooh. And
0: it is, like, the – I mean, it's literally – it's, like, the best we, – we ate, like, a feast, me and my friend. And it was, like, 20 bucks. So, like, I would take you up there, and we would, like, go take the train – uh, all the way up to the Bronx, go to that restaurant, or we could go to this other spot in the Bronx that's um, Jamaican food. It's right underneath the subway line, right across from Game. Yankee Stadium. So whenever I used to go to Yankee games, you'd get this Jamaican spot. They had the best oxtail that I've had in New York.
1: I um, I love that you love oxtail because that's not something everybody eats, and I'm a huge fan. So
0: yeah, yeah. So we, we probably that's where we I think those three: grandma food, Jamaican oxtail, and like jerk chicken and yams and then we go get Bangladeshi food. so mostly in the Bronx or Staten Island I don't know if that's exciting to you but that's if you came to New York I, we'd go to the Bronx
1: or Staten Island. I mean Staten Island is the hottest spot in New York now according to Colin Jost so we'll uh... <laughs> well
0: for all the for all the latest NBA news articles and more head on over to NBCSports.com slash NBC uh and sorry slash NBA excuse me NBA NBCSports.com slash NBA and uh best best, uh, uh, holiday season to you and your family Uh, you know uh, is your daughter coming back?
1: my daughter is home from UC Santa Barbara um, now so yeah it's fun fun to have everybody back under one roof
0: look at that happy holidays see you next week every day our world gets a little more connected but a little further apart but then there are moments that remind us to be more human